Alex and I met during the first week of class when we were four years old. We both attended the same international school in Rabat, Morocco. His dad worked for the European Commission, and I was a local. We became fast friends and spent the next five years growing up together, climbing trees, playing make-believe, watching movies. He was my first close friend, and when his family moved away, I was heartbroken. He wasn't the first friend to leave, nor would he be the last. Most of my classmates were only in Morocco for a few years before jetting off to their parents' next destination, where they would yet again experience a new country, new culture, and make new friends. Alex is an adult third culture kid, or TCK. A TCK is someone who has spent a significant number of their formative years growing up in a country or countries other than that of their parents. It isn't a geographically specific culture per se. It doesn't matter which countries you've lived in or where you're originally from. Rather, it's the accumulation of those cross-national experiences that contribute to that third culture. An example of a famous TCK is former U.S. President Barack Obama. Over the last few years, I've often wondered about the impact such frequent change has had on my friends. How did all those moves during childhood shape their identity and sense of belonging as an adult? And if I felt so terrible every time my close friends left, I wondered how the people who did the leaving felt. So when I finally reconnected with Alex, after an almost 10 to 15 year gap, I asked him about this. I'm Yasmina Sakat, and you're listening to Not That Original, a podcast that brings you stories that may not be so different from your own. Tell me your story. Um, where are you from? Uh, where am I from? Well, my how would you define where someone is from? How do you want to define it? I really have difficulty defining where someone is from because there seem to be a wide range of criteria for that. And I'm not really sure what would apply to what situation. Legally, I'm Belgian-American because I have those passports. So I guess an official legal definition would be Belgian-American. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have lived never in the States and maybe two or three years in Belgium in total in my whole life. Uh, and those were all very recent years. So I don't identify so much as either nationality. I tend to say I'm just cosmopolitan. <laughs> if that's not too hipsterish. I hate that word. Hipsterish? The concept or the word? The the word and the concept, uh, but but anyway, yeah, I would say I'm Belgian-American. Yeah. I guess I typically just say Belgian because it's easier than explaining that it's not such an easy answer. And how many countries did you live in by the time you were 18? By the time I was 18, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six or seven? 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 I think so. So, where did you grow up? I was born in the States and then moved immediately to Africa, the Central African Republic. And then Togo. I moved to Morocco when I was four. And then Syria when I was nine. I was in Syria for four years. So, I was 13, 14 when I moved to Italy for one year. 
and then the Sudan for a year, and then I was in Wales for two years, which takes me up to 18. And at this point in your life, you're in your 30, early 30s? Early 30s, yeah. How many more countries did you live in? I have lived in another... One, two, three, four, five, six, maybe another seven, six or seven. Okay, so what's the longest you've lived anywhere? Uh, the longest I ever lived anywhere was in Morocco for five years, from four to nine. And um, your dad used to work for the EU? Yes, right. my father worked for the Commission, the European Commission. What was it like for you growing up? Amongst worlds, amongst like in different countries every few years. I think it was very hard at first. So my first two or three moves were particularly difficult, especially the move from Morocco to Syria. Because, I mean, four to nine is kind of when you start forming a lot of memories and you start making your first friends and uh, kind of you start exploring the world around you. So that was a difficult move um, from Syria to Italy was a much less difficult move because I'd done it a few times before and every move after that has been quite easy actually. How did you cope with having to leave people? I, you don't you know I don't really think there's a clear strategy. I'm sure everyone copes with it differently. I per personally I just you know you stay in touch with who you can and want to and if they reciprocate that's great if they don't you just move on because there's nothing you can really do when you're not living in the same country as someone. Also, back then, there wasn't WhatsApp and Skype and all these fantastic ways of staying in touch with people. So really, it was phone calls or even emails were not so easy in those countries at the time. Uh, I only had access to email regularly when I was 14 for the first time. So before then, it was very difficult to stay in touch with people. Yeah, I remember. We used to write letters to each other. We did, and the very occasional phone call. Uh, I don't remember that, because phone calls were so expensive. They were extremely expensive. Um, we spoke maybe once or twice on the phone uh, in the years after I left Morocco, um, because my parents would call your parents, and I would be around, you would be around. Uh, but it only happened once or twice, because, yeah, the phone calls are so expensive internationally back then. Yeah. I mean, without WhatsApp um, and Skype, it, it, this makes it just so much easier to Absolutely. actually move around. Absolutely. Okay, so you, you moved around with your parents, um, but you also went to boarding school for a few years. Yes, so when I was 14, I went to Italy for a year. That was my first boarding school experience. Um, then I went back to the Sudan for one year, uh, and then that was back with my parents um, and when I moved to Wales after that I've just been in boarding schools or universities or whatever ever since so I kind of left home kind of when I was 14. What was it like integrating life I guess um, either once you've entered boarding school or once you arrived in university? Integrating life. As in, sorry as in as in moving to a place where a lot of people are from the same place. The school I was at in Italy was fairly international, mm -hmm. um, as had been my schools up until then. So there was nothing particularly strange about having people from different nationalities in the classroom. 
and it wasn't strange having everyone outside of the school be from the country that we were in. So that that sort of setting up of nationalities was not any different. That changed when I went to university in Scotland, where most of my classmates were Scottish, and I was in the vast minority, being an international or a non a non local. Um, but I never had any issues because by the time I had moved a few times, you know, you realize that it, that it doesn't really make a difference where you're from. You're gonna make friends as a kid, no matter what, uh, and as an adult as well. It's not that important. So I never, I never had a problem integrating my life. What's not that important? Uh, where you're from is not that important to me. Uh, so it wouldn't be something that would affect my relationships. For for some people, it's it's more of understanding, I guess the the, the with the code, like the way people interact, or that that happens really fast. You you pick up on that, you know, within a month of living in a place, as long as you're not just staying in your room the whole time, uh, you figure out how culture is where you are, um, how people behave. It's It happens incredibly fast. What people mean when they say certain things. Yeah, expressions, accents, all these things. I don't know if it's just because of the way I was raised, but I, I've never had an issue adapting to new locales. I had trouble with uh, Canada. With the, with yeah the, yeah because I kind of expected it to be I guess barrier free just because I spoke the language so I didn't mm-hmm. really expect any real differences in culture I just wasn't thinking about it I guess mm-hmm. but um, once I got there uh, I found that people referenced a lot of things when they spoke mm-hmm. like TV shows or oh uh, yeah pop, you know, pop, pop, pop culture. culture references that that's a that's a designation in and of itself right that's that's not something that you'll pick up in a month uh you won't have the same background of pop culture knowledge that a local will have you know the news stories that were run the songs that came out um all this stuff is you can't you can't really fake that and you can't really pick it up it takes a long time yeah yeah for sure Uh, but it was um i guess it was just surprising because none of growing up like none of us had the same references for the most part yep um I don't know, except maybe like Captain Majid, which was on national TV for a while. <laughs> and and everybody I meet that that's lived in the Middle East at that same period of time, like no matter what country it it, it is, they've all yeah. watched it. Sure, because it was a, a shared cultural reference. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. It was pretty hilarious. Um, but you'll find you'll find those everywhere you go. There's yeah. stuff that everyone will talk about, and and that actually get got a lot easier as I got older because. As technology improved, Facebook, whatever, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the pop culture references uh, flow much easier outside of national borders. So yeah. something that, that becomes a pop culture reference in, well, I mean, the States is the classic example, becomes a pop culture reference kind of everywhere that's English speaking um, or with anyone that, that speaks English and follows pop. You know, the, the mm-hmm. borders aren't, aren't as clear and have becoming much less clear as, as we move on. How many languages do you speak? I speak English and French fluently, uh, but I get by in Spanish, Italian, uh, get by much less in Portuguese, uh, and then really smatterings of, I don't know, three or four more languages that I can passively order a beer, get on a bus, everything I would need to function sort of day to day. Kind of going back to the question of identity and where you're from, how do you identify? 
It's a really broad question, I know. It's an extremely broad question. Uh, I, you know, I don't identify nationalistically uh, because I have never really felt like I'm from any one country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to identify more with things that I like within different cultures. So, for example, Belgium is a big beer drinking culture, and I admit to loving the taste of beer. Uh, so I identify strongly with that specific element of the culture here. Um, much as I love blockbuster movies made in the States, uh, I identify strongly with a lot of the stuff that comes out of that. Uh, I love whiskey. I identify with aspects of Scottish culture that go around that. Um, so really, I get to pick and choose how I identify. What, how, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What, what did you gain from your life abroad? Probably it's very easy for me to move, to meet new people, uh, to because I have a fairly broad cultural knowledge of how things work in different countries. I find it very easy to sort of assimilate local culture. Um, so I, I kind of know, I have a fairly good idea of what's common everywhere and what's likely to not be the same everywhere. So I'm, Every time I move, I find it easy to identify the things that make people or the things that obviously make people from where they are. Um, accents, mannerisms, uh, behaviors, these sorts of things are highly identifiable and can be very uh, regional. Um, and because I've seen them change so much in my life, I find it very easy to see those things. Are you a sponge? A sponge? Do you pick it up? I do. I absolutely pick up uh, what's happening around me. Accents, mannerisms, expressions, all that stuff. So do you have a, do you use like a mishmash of expressions, mannerisms? I absolutely do. Um, I'm assuming it changes in relation to where you are. It changes based on where I am, what I'm talking about. So if I'm referring to an experience I had telling a story about, for example, when I was in Scotland, my accent may well veer slightly into you know i'll start using scottish words uh (laughs) my letters will change slightly um yeah so i think it really depends who i'm talking to and what i'm talking about uh will strongly determine sort of what what cultural references i'm accessing be it language or whatever What, what do you think you missed out on if anything I definitely missed out on sort of long-term friendship. It's very hard to maintain, or it was at the time, very hard to maintain uh, friendships for a very long time. Uh, so I guess you could say I'm I'm not glib about relationships with people, but certainly I it takes a long time for me to warm to someone to the point where I would call them a, a close friend. So I would say I'm... I find it very easy to make friends, but very difficult to make good friends. Is it just more? Is is it just because you're used to moving, or? I'm used to moving. Uh, I've certainly developed a set of uh, behaviors around dealing with the loss of friendships because mm-hmm. I kind of had to as a child, um, and that's kind of just moved through life with me. I I wouldn't say I'm difficult to approach or difficult to get along with, but it certainly takes time before I would consider someone a close friend. 
if if it even gets there. Uh, I would even say that I don't really know who my close friends are until years after I've met them, and we've moved to different countries, and if we're still in touch, that's how I know it's a close friend. Because uh, most people will just drop off the radar. The vast majority, 99% of people will completely disappear from your life uh, when you move countries. Now that I've moved as, a, as an expat, I have noticed that uh, I wasn't quite expecting it, I guess. Just mm. because it's so easy to keep in touch with people. Yes. Um, but sadly, I, yeah, like even as adults, I'm like, well, you know, it's, yeah. it's easy to keep in touch. Why not keep in touch? Sure. Well, absolutely. You're right. It is very easy these days to stay in touch with people. But as it, you say, yeah. even as adults, uh, it's, you know, it just doesn't happen. People don't make the effort. It's really disappointing, actually. I am not disappointed by it because I understand it's it's like why would you because you make new friends you meet new people you sh start having new experiences with people and it's really the experiences that you've shared with people that that make a friendship mm -hmm. um, and when you're not having experiences with people anymore when you don't make plans to see them or to meet them or it, it becomes difficult to to stay in touch because because the the, the stuff that you can talk about the pool becomes smaller and smaller, the shared pool, a relative to your total pool becomes smaller and smaller the longer you're not living in the same place. It does, that's true. I mean, the shared pool, like the experiences that you've shared together. Yeah. It's a, if I move, like say I spent, I spent two years in Wales, so that's two years of experiences I had with a lot of friends. When I moved away, I keep those two years of experiences, but my total 32 years of experiences keeps going. That two years doesn't change. So that shared pool of two years is proportionally getting smaller. Uh, compared to my total sum of experiences and therefore the that shared pool of experiences relatively to your total pool does get smaller with the people that you share them with if you're not continuing to make new experiences that's a really articulate way of putting it thank you i thought about this a lot <laughs> <laughs> so where's home right now i'm currently living in belgium uh so where my bags are is usually where home is. I'm assuming you're a light light traveler? Uh, I'm an extremely light traveler. <laughs> uh, I take almost nothing when I go places. So, you know, talking about your experience as a kid growing up in many different places, if you had kids, would you want them to have that same experience? That's difficult to say. There's certainly been advantages and disadvantages. Um, and I don't think this is a life for everyone. I don't think everyone would have dealt with it. And I, I know, in fact, that not everyone deals with it the same way. Um, so I honestly wouldn't be able to answer that question. I think ideally it should be a choice, but children don't make choices the same way we do with, and they don't have the same information. So they also don't get as much voting power. No, of course not. Um, but if, say, if you had the choice to stay in one place or move around and, and it didn't cost you more or less either way, um, I would be hard-pressed not to ask a child's opinion on the matter. I think that is important. Even if they don't fully understand everything, I think their opinion matters. Yeah. Where do you think you belong? Uh, that's a difficult question. I tend to belong right where I'm at, I think. Uh, yeah, until I'm ready to move, and then I belong somewhere else. How long does it take you to be ready to move? 
Um, I used to be able to stay in one place longer. Uh, these days, I kind of get itchy feet after two years or so. And then I'm ready to move to see something new. How, how would you describe, I guess, your relationship with your home country? Again, what would you say my home country is? Well, I guess in this case, it's Belgium, since you've never lived in the States. Okay. Um, my relationship with Belgium. Well, I like Belgium a lot. There's also things I don't like about Belgium, but that would be true of any country, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say I have a pretty good relationship with Belgium. I definitely feel Belgian when I'm here. I don't feel out of place. Uh, I speak the language. I know the customs. And there's a lot of things that I love about this country. Uh, do you vote? Are you I, active? I am not politically active anywhere, actually. I don't feel it's entirely responsible for me to vote in places I'm not going to stay for very long at all. Though that is not the most, that's not the best answer because in Belgium, you don't actually have a choice. You, It's a mandatory vote. Oh, it's like Switzerland. Yes. So you don't have a choice. In, so in Belgium, if I'm legally a resident which i am Mm -hmm. and if i'm if i'm currently in the country then i then i do have to vote uh but it's not a choice it's a it's an obligation how much of how much of your desire to keep moving do you think comes from your personality and how much of it comes from your experience tricky question because my personality was shaped by my experience Mm -hmm. um and certainly that that's a two-way street so it's really a it's a happy happy conflagration of both i've i've spoken to some other people who've also moved a lot Mm -hmm. and they're now just settled in one place and while there's a desire to move the desire to have a place to call like a definite place to call home and and who want a certain stability like that Mm -hmm. kind of just outweighs the the itchy feet part i guess yes um I have a lot of friends like that as well, who traveled a lot and then ended up settling down somewhere, and they're very happy to do so, and they love to travel still, but they definitely, there is that sense of security and comfort that comes from having a home. Um, I don't really have that. I don't feel more secure or more comfortable having a home or knowing that there's someplace I can always go. I, It just doesn't bother me. I prefer... I prefer being able to just move whenever I want. What impact is, has that had on your career choices or job choices? That's definitely two answers. So, I mean, officially, I apply to jobs and take positions as if I was going to stay somewhere for a long time. Because otherwise, you would never get hired. No one's going to hire someone that's that could leave at any moment. Mm-hmm. I don't leave at any moment, but it's a possibility. Um so I don't know if it's actually shaped in terms of my behavior approaching jobs. I don't know if it's actually shaped me that much. Um, I'll tend to take jobs where I am at the at the moment, and certainly job satisfaction. And I need a lot of I seek challenges. I seek new experiences. And when jobs no longer provide that, I tend to change jobs or move countries. That's pretty and, awesome. <laughs> No, I mean, it's pretty awesome that it's like, well, okay, I don't like my job right now. I'm not just going to change jobs. I'm going to change places too and find that motiv- find that um, stimulation somewhere else. For sure. But again, if you love where you are and you're not done exploring it, then changing jobs without moving is completely adequate. Uh, absolutely. Mm. What, what impact did 
being a TCK have on you as an adult, or what, what impact does it have on you today? Well, I have a lot of knowledge to draw on that a lot of people who've only lived in one country don't have. Um, so that can be useful in social encounters, in jobs, in, in a lot of aspects of my life, of anyone's life. Um, it has certainly impacted my appreciation for things. I, I love food. I love a wide variety of food. I could never live somewhere that only served, you know, one nation's food. That would be incredibly difficult. So it determines kind of what I look for in cities and in countries. So I'm always looking for as much as I can for local culture. It has certainly impacted my personal relationships, uh, be it with partners or friends. Um, I, again, we talked about how I approach friendship and particularly who become who I become close friends with mm-hmm. is really a test of time sort of thing. Um, with personal relationships, uh, with partners, it can be more difficult, uh, especially as I get older, because when you're early twenties, mid twenties, you know, people are kind of just looking for fun uh, and they don't think too far ahead, but it's, I'm kind of coming to a point now where, uh, most, and I'm not making a generalization here, but most women of this age are looking for something more serious uh as are most men i'm i'm just not one of those people so it, it can be difficult to to meet people okay so you're not really looking for anything serious i'm not looking for anything serious or if i am it has to be someone who's willing to to move to go and explore to do the things that i love doing as i would be willing to do the things that they love doing which totally makes sense do you think, I mean, you've, you've lived in a lot of places and in a lot of those places you've gone to international schools. Um, do you think you've gained a profound understanding of the places you've lived in? It's a good question. I could probably have made more of an effort to, especially when I was a child, um, but you have less choices as a child. Your parents dictate much more of what you do. Um but as I got older, I made much more of an effort to get to know places outside of my school and to be exposed to non-sort of international environments uh, and to make friends. Uh, well, making friends, I've always made friends kind of from everywhere. It's never been dictated by language or culture. Sometimes one of the criticisms of, of like the TCK sort of lifestyle is that um, while there's a great deal of diversity when it comes to nationalities there is less diversity when it comes to other things like i completely agree yeah um when we were living in morocco together when i was in syria uh, a lot of the kids in our school especially international kids didn't really do anything outside of the school um they had very little interaction with local families they didn't go and explore the countries not everyone is like that, especially at those ages. Not everyone's parents are like that. Mm. Um, but I was very lucky. My father was an avid explorer, uh, loved to go camping, uh, and his job put him in touch with a lot of very interesting people um, from a wide range of backgrounds in the countries that we were in. And I was always invited to dinners. I, I made friends with people's children who were not at the schools that I was at. I 
tend to have seen more of the countries that I was in than the local kids who were at the schools that we were at. So I, I think you're right, generally speaking, but in my particular case, it hasn't been so much uh, true. Do you find that as a white male, you're more easily accepted into the countries you move to? It's more of a hindrance than anything. Why is that? Uh, because people, because especially in the countries that I tended to move to were much less affluent than the countries where white people tend to live. So there has always been, uh, well, not always, not so much in international schools, but there is always a clear, not a clear kind of wall or distinction between us, but in a lot of countries, people kind of expect you to to be wealthy and to act wealthy because because you're white for example i lived in indonesia recently as a white you know 30 year old guy mm -hmm. uh, i was there for a year and certainly some of my relationships with local people sometimes it feels as though they they expect you to pay for things or this this wealth issue is can sometimes be a hindrance and but that's not always the case not everyone's like that in fact, most people are not, but that that has certainly been a big effect of me being, you know, a white guy in my early 30s moving around. Mm -hmm. People kind of people kind of expect you to be a certain way because you're white, because you're uh, because you move around so much. That seems to be something that only wealthy people do, uh, though that's not the case at all. I meet I meet so many people who are traveling around who are just, you know, normal guys, normal girls from everywhere. For a slightly different perspective, we'll pick up the topic of third culture kids later this season when I speak with Kelly and Amy, two sisters who experience life abroad differently from both Alex and each other. Thanks for listening to Not That Original. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and feel free to share this podcast.